I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the Power 365 show, where I interview staff at Microsoft across the Power Platform and Dynamics 365 technology stack. I hope you'll find this podcast educational and inspire you to do more with this great technology. Now, let's get on with the show. Today's guest is from Indiana in the United States. We're going to be talking about integrating SAP and the Power Platform. And my guest today, he's a director of the Power Platform Enterprise Solutions, and he was also the founder of Clear Software. So keen to unpack that with him today. You can find links to his bio, socials, etc. in the show notes for this episode. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, thanks for having me. Mate, It's uh, it's been a while. It seems like you've been in Microsoft a very long time now. Yeah, it's been a little over 18 months since the acquisition. So it's, uh, we've kind of, we finally settled in. We've got uh, most of our product incorporated into the power platform. And now we're really focused on how do we, how do we take the power platform and create exciting content for enterprises to get up and running more quickly than they can in the traditional sense of the, the DIY nature of, of the power platform. Nice, nice. I'm looking forward to unpacking that with you. Before we go there, though, just tell us a bit about you and what you do when you're not working, food, family, fun, any of those that kind of jump out to you. What do you get up to when you're not at Microsoft? Well, I've got three young kids, so I don't really get up to much of anything other than feed them, put them to bed, drive them to their sporting events. So I've got a a 10-year-old son, 8-year-old daughter, and 5-year-old son. But I recently left them behind, and my wife and I and her family went to Italy for two weeks. Um, had a great time. You know, went to Venice, Florence, uh, kind of remote parts of Tuscany, and drank a lot of red wine and ate a lot of good food. So, I like uh, I like good food, good music. Um, you know, I like to watch a lot of concerts with my wife and kids. So, you know, a lot of classic rock. Sometimes we get into heavy metal, but uh, you know, there there aren't many people in the tech space that don't like that stuff. So true. Italy has to be my favorite country in the world. All those places just took me back there. Did you go to Lake Como at all while you're in the northern part of Italy there? Uh, we flew over it. Um, so I think I spotted George George Clooney's compound, but I couldn't make <laughs> it out uh, amongst all the other compounds that are on Lake Como. But um, totally. I would agree, especially in terms of food. Um, you know, every European country has got their, you know, their different foods that they're known for. But I mean, every meal we had in Italy was excellent. I and mean, we didn't have a single bad meal. So I was just yeah. really impressed with no matter where we went, the food was amazing. Yeah, so true. So true. Uh, fantastic. Well, let, let's let's talk about um, Microsoft. And before we, we unpack what you do now and the, really the latest announcements that have happened, tell us about Clear Software. What led you to fi- found that company? What was your journey ultimately to your, to your exit into Microsoft? Yeah, sure. So um, coming out of college, uh, I was an industrial engineering major. Uh, I was working at General Motors, but I was uh, very bored, um, didn't really like you know, doing what I studied in in the real world, which I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, you study something thinking you want to do it, then you start doing it. You're like, oh man, this is pretty boring. 
Um, so that's kind of how I felt about, about, uh, you know, what I studied for four years. And then, um, one of my managers at the time, this is a long time ago, like 20 years ago, she was, uh, Mary Barra, who is now the, the CEO, but she was head of North American engineering. And she said, ah, I can see that you're very bored. Um, why don't you work on this little software project that we have going where, you know, they're building their own little custom manufacturing software. Um, and not using SAP or Oracle eBusiness Suite or a lot of the other manufacturing uh, ERPs out there. But I uh, got a, hooked on that and then decided uh, after um, GM to work at Accenture. So we were implementing SAP at you know the largest companies in the world, um, even building some custom software here and there. And what I, I kept discovering over and over and over again was that we would spend years and hundreds of millions of dollars implementing these ERP systems, and they would they would bring a lot of operational efficiency on the back end. But in terms of day to day for front end users, uh, like sales reps, customer service reps, people in the procurement department, their lives actually got worse. You know, they're having to jump through way more screens. You know, a process that used to take them five minutes was suddenly taking them 25 minutes once they went live on their ERP. And that really started to bother me um, because they would say, hey, what did you do to us? And it's like, well, don't kill the messenger. You know, we, we delivered this, but you are right. It is taking you five times as long as it used to take. Um, so, you know, I started building these little productivity tools while, while I was at Accenture. So little Excel uploads um, into SAP to create journal entries or, you know, customer master records, vendor master records. And uh, I started just playing around with this quite a bit. My customers loved it. They loved being able to automate processes through Excel. But then around 2010, um, the whole idea of rich internet applications was, well, that was the big buzzword, RIA. Um, so being able to, um, you know, create applications inside a browser, uh, it sounds trivial today because basically every application runs in a browser. But uh, back then it was like, it was a big deal. I mean, you had to install plugins like Silverlight and Adobe Flex to get that to work. Um, so I had an idea to say, you know, how, do, how can I take all these automations that I'm building for my customers that they love and how, how can I get them into the web? Um, so I experimented with with all of that. So um, Silverlight, Adobe Flex, um, native HTML5, which was very, very new back then and didn't really do anything. Uh, and finally, I got something to work. Um, so, you know, I got a, my very first customer in 2012, but was still really focused on, you know, digitizing and automating, you know, processes that may span 25 or 35 screens in an ERP and consolidate that down to one web page with all of the integration behind the scenes, uh, but abstracted from the business user. So they're not having to, to spend 25 minutes creating a purchase order. They're only spending two or three minutes creating a PO. So we built that. Um, we were very heavily focused on SAP, but uh, we also had Oracle eBusiness Suite customers and a, and a handful of PeopleSoft customers. Um, and then in October of 2021, um, you know, Microsoft uh, ended up acquiring us, but we had been talking to them for quite a while uh, from a, a partnership front. Um, and then it just, it, it made sense. It was a natural marriage because, uh, you know, there are, there are a lot of cool features that we had embedded in our platform that were perfectly complementary to the Power Platform. Um, and it just, you know, from, from both sides, it totally made sense. Wow, that that is that is amazing. Did did part of that process then of coming into Microsoft was it a case of taking your code base and moving it across to the Microsoft solutions, or um, what I often notice Microsoft does is 
when they extract IP, they actually rebuild it on their platform. Hence why I see when we compete against other products in the market like um, Salesforce, et cetera, often there's a, just a lift and shift and a bolt onto their existing. So anybody that uses that new and built tech to the platform has got to, they've got to understand what that, how that new system works, not in context necessary or just from an, a, you know, a, a, a bolted on perspective. Has all your stuff been re-platformed into the power platform and therefore, you know, if you like recoded um, to be part of the, the, the power platform? So it was a mix of both. Uh, so after the acquisition, we, you know, we're all in uh, Redmond, you know, sitting down with the engineering team and figuring out, okay, what's our plan of action to get this integrated into into the power platform? And we we kind of had two uh, two different secret sauces within our platform. One was all of the technical integration capabilities we had into ERP systems like SAP and Oracle eBusiness Suite. Um, that was kind of one side, the, the technical connectivity and being able to string together API calls. That was one set of secret sauce. Um, but from our customer's perspective, the more valuable secret sauce we had were pre-built um, app templates uh, for processes like order to cash and procure to pay and record to report and make to stock. Um, and those uh, were natural candidates to just migrate over as power apps, pre-built power apps. Um, so we, we kind of looked at it and said, okay, there's going to be some, uh, data migration, so to speak of our platform into, uh, into power apps. Uh, but there are also some technical gaps we need to address, um, with some of these ERP systems and the connectivity there. So we did that gap analysis and decided, you know, it was going to probably be more complicated to wedge our iPaaS into uh, into Power Automate and, and overall the Power Platform. So at that point, we decided um, we were going to recode um, those connectors and those integrations into the, the different ERP systems. Once we were done with that, we GA'd that in December of last year of 2022. Um, then we turned our focus to, okay, now that we've got the, the technical connectivity and the ability to actually transact against these systems of record, um, now how do we take all that exciting content that we had built on the Clear Software platform and get it into Power Apps as templates for these end-to-end -end processes that can really drive huge value for enterprise customers in a short period of time. So that's essentially what we've been focused on this year. So we had an announcement last week. Uh, Ryan Cunningham posted the blog and a couple, you know, just a couple links on LinkedIn that I'm sure we we can add to this at the end. Um, announcing our initial set of uh, templates. So we're calling them Power Platform Enterprise Templates. Um, and the first one was for SAP procurement. Um, so, you know, eventually we want to abstract the concept of what ERP system we're integrating with, but a huge, huge, huge percentage of our customer base runs SAP. So it makes sense to start with a high value business process like procure to pay and do it on top of SAP because that's a massive percentage of our customer base. Uh, but over time, we'll add SAP order to cash and then abstract it further and say, okay, let's do this for Oracle eBusiness Suite. Let's do this for PeopleSoft. Let's do this for nice. Bond. Um, so, you know, the vision is let's, let's create pre-built content that will work on top of any enterprise business process and 
be completely agnostic of what it's integrating with from a backend system perspective. And so I take it what that is doing is, as you, you mentioned earlier on, you're taking what potentially could be a 25, 30 minute process. And by using um, the the pre-built template, it allows you to reduce it down to minutes um, uh, to get the same type of functionality or the job done. Absolutely. So like in the classic case, something that everyone's familiar with, which is, you know, the, the procurement process, um, setting up a vendor can be pretty, pretty laborious for, you know, typically an organization will have a, a master data management team that's responsible for, they get a request from someone to say, hey, we need to create this new vendor. They check, make sure it doesn't exist. Um, then they go through the very laborious process of traversing through 20 or 30 screens to get that vendor set up and attach W9s or whatever tax forms are necessary for that vendor. Um, that process can take hours, uh, depending on how many people are involved. Um, we've streamlined that down to 10 to 15 minutes um, with mm-hmm. Outlook integration, with Teams integration. There's a lot of exciting stuff in there. Um, and then we think about, you know, purchase order entry itself. Usually in a large enterprise, there's a few thousand people that have the ability to create a purchase order and request, you know, not just raw materials if you're manufacturing something, but just like, hey, we're out of paper towels, you know, in the on the third yeah. floor of the office building can, you know, and you order some more. Um, that process can take 10 to 15 minutes in an ERP system just to type in all of the data. So we're trying mm-hmm. to automate as much of that data entry as possible, streamline the screens down so a person, instead of spending 10 or 15 minutes saying, I need uh, paper towels on floor, floor seven, uh, I, I can do it in about three minutes, save it. And then my man- my manager can get an adaptive card in Teams that says, hey, so-and-so uh, just sent you this purchase order. It needs to be approved. They click on it in Teams and approve it, and it gets released. So we're trying to take all of the different components in the Microsoft stack and bring them together um, into these really common business processes so that we can automate as much as possible and, and keep people um, out of the, the the drudgery that they they have to go through today when they're they're having to execute this process quote unquote manually yeah I like it I like it what's you I just want to jump to the connector for a second that you know that connector that got released tail end of year last year it was a quantum leap different than the pre the pre, its predecessor um and and what it can do. We, you know, we've been deploying it um, to our customers and um, it's getting a lot of positive feedback. What are you seeing on your side? What are customers, particularly customers that might have either do custom integrations in the past or use the old connector or now using the new one? What's the feedback you're getting on it? I think uh, the biggest piece of feedback is we had um, a lot of existing Microsoft customers that were not yet using the Power Platform on top of SAP because there were some technical features missing that were preventing them from starting. So now we see them actually finally starting their digital transformation journey on the Power Platform because of things like, uh, you know, the previous version of the connector did not support uh, what SAP calls message servers or what you know, in common terms would be load balance connections into SAP. So we didn't support that yes. before. Um, and that was preventing a lot of organizations that, I mean, that was a, a, a game stop right there. Like you, we cannot proceed until you support load, load balance connections. Um, so we added that in um, single sign on was uh, very complicated before. So we've streamlined that pretty significantly we've added in Kerberos delegation into the on-premises data gateway so that naturally uh, when Mark Smith logs into a power app to create a purchase order, 
Um, it flows through, it goes to Active Directory, requests a Kerberos ticket, and that flows into SAP. And then you have that full audit Excellent. trail end to end without without having to do the complicated setup we had to do before. Um, so those are two very big things. Um, and then uh, a lot of nice to haves for, for folks like me who are nerds who like to tinker and, and mess around with SAP data. Um, we added some new functions um, within Logic Apps, which is the, the right now currently the expression language within Power Automate. Uh, but we added some cool functions to do things like remove leading zeros from material codes, vendor codes, customer codes, um, add them back before you know you need to update that data within SAP. So we have a lot of cool specialized functions that are built specifically for SAP customers that allow them to manipulate data more efficiently than they could before. So a lot of cool stuff that's been added in the last 18 months. Was it, you know, I, I find that it's quite interesting at the moment is that I'm hearing a lot from the SAP side of the house, this concept of clean core as they're migrating to, you know, uh, to the cloud, the SAP systems, this need to move to a clean core. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's driven by SAP themselves. And then, and then the idea of, you know, doing this, this, these different workloads all extracted away through APIs, you know, they've got BTP and, is it just a perfect time that that this is really ascending from a Microsoft perspective, the whole SAP PAL platform Azure story? Yeah, the timing couldn't be better. I mean, I've been telling people forever, no one ever listened to me, but <laughs> maybe now they're finally starting to listen. But, you know, don't don't write your business logic inside your system of record. You know, you you know, write it inside a, an iPaaS layer or, you know, whatever your integration hub is. But the minute you start writing your business logic, in custom code inside your ERP, you're, you're going down a very, very bad road. Unfortunately, that's the road that most of the Fortune Global 1000 went down uh, during the 1990s and, and, and 2000s. So they've just got tens of thousands of lines of custom ABAP code within the SAP world that needs to be remediated when you're migrating from ECC to S4. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of organizations are saying, you know what, let's Let's leave behind what we did in ECC. Let's do a clean extract of the data. Let's go greenfield with S4 HANA and just load our data in. And that gives you an opportunity not only to uh, kind of move away from a lot of the custom code that was embedded within ECC, but it allows you to clean up your data at the same time, too. You can naturally deduplicate a lot of customers and vendors. And, you know, there, there's no organization in the world that can, that can say they have perfect master data. I mean, there's always yeah. issues. Um, so this kind of gives a great opportunity to even use the Power Platform and to use Power Automate to um, migrate from ECC to S4 because you're going to need an ETL tool to extract that data, mm -hmm, cleanse mm -hmm. it, dedupe it, and feed it into S4. So um, it's a great opportunity for Power Automate to flex its muscles there. But um, you know, to your original point, this is a perfect opportunity for the Power Platform to kind of become the de facto integration hub and presentation layer for any system of record, not just SAP. Yeah. One of the one of the comments back I get a lot when I'm, I'm I'm talking particularly to SAP folks around the Power Platform and low code app development, automation, etc., is a oh. We we can we can do that in Fury or or you know we we have low code now you know SAP what in the last uh, about six to twelve months they've announced they've got a low code um, tool. How do you how do you uh, handle those type of questions? That kind of um, brings people on the journey. Yeah, I think uh, 
you know, we're Microsoft at SAP. We're we're partners. We're customers of each other, but then we're also competitors. So it's it's a it's a unique relationship. Um, but you know, I, I would say uh, with regards to the Fiori argument, I don't think SAP would have acquired AppGyver if they hadn't realized that long term, you know, creating custom Fiori apps just isn't very sustainable. I mean, they they recognize that, and that's why they they acquired AppGyver. Their, their push to BTP kind of validates what we were just talking about, which is you want to abstract your business logic outside of your system of record and keep the system of record clean. Um, so in terms of kind of going head to head against AppGyver and BTP versus Power Apps and, and uh, Power Automate, I will say that, that Power Automate has already over a thousand connectors into different systems of record. And there's really no iPaaS or integration platform in the market that has that many robust connectors, um, you know, not just SAP, but you, we talk about anyone out there that's that's competing with ERP system integration. We've just got so many different connectors out there. We've got so much pre-built content. Um, and what we're really telling our customers is, you know, anytime you have to start writing custom code anywhere, um, you should stop. That's a great opportunity to bring in the Power Platform because Power Apps I, I like to say is essentially no code. Um, you know, you do have if statements and logical statements in there for yeah. when to hide a button or when to show a button, but you're not writing custom JavaScript. You're not writing literally any code. It's it's more like I'm working in Excel with macros and, and that sort of thing. Um, so it's 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 truly no code. Um, and then on the back end, being able to abstract a lot of the complex integrations in the ERP systems and expose these templates to makers, Power Automate flow makers in a way that um, sort of demystifies how those systems work is huge for them because, you know, in a common integration scenario today, um, you know, say you you um, bought an iPass of some sort and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I create a customer master record in SAP? You know, you're going to go on to Google and then that'll send you to support.sap.com. And then you're looking through all these different blog posts about how to how to actually get that customer master record into SAP, what are the appropriate APIs to call, what are the things to look out for. That can take months. Now we're giving you a pre-built Power Automate flow that does that and saying, here you go, we just saved you three months. And if you want to tweak it, you can, but we've already mapped all the data fields from you know Power Apps or whatever your system of record is going to be from a front-end perspective to SAP um, and then it's really up to you to to modify those data mappings if you want to, but you're not having to figure that stuff out from from scratch. Uh, the security question, another thing from SAP Architects, you know, they get worried about letting people in the organization update in another application data sitting back in SAP. Uh, they're worried about, um, you know, privilege access, uh, corruption um, of data. How do you handle the architects uh, that are particularly the security conscious side of things that uh, that feel, and when I say feel, generally be, I say that because it's a lack of education, they're not explored power. Uh, and the other thing is that when they hear low code, they think, oh my gosh, this is just for you know, this is just for um, really simple things, right? Not complex business. Right. Twitter, uh, Twitter feeds and things like that. Yep. It, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Re, re, you know, um, you know, we're, ha- we're having a luncheon this Friday and we just need to send out a thing asking who's interested in a little form survey or something like that, right? How do you handle that security um, question? 
Yeah, so um, the way we've architected the uh, SAP connector within Power Automate is if you can't see and do it in SAP, you can't see and do it within within Power Automate. So when we have our single sign-on and, you know, Kerberos is saying this person is, you know, uh, you know Mark Smith at gmail.com actually translate to M Smith in, in SAP, that's then checking to see whether you actually have authorization to create a purchase order, for example. So um, the connector we've built respects all the authorization objects and profiles that you've already built for all your ERCP users. Um, and it actually kind of gives you a leg up on the Fiori side because today in the Fiori world, you've actually got to create a separate authorization profile that maps to an authorization profile within SAP. We're just reading it directly within Power Apps and Power Automate. So we can show and hide buttons within Power Apps based on an auth object within SAP. Um, so that we can ensure that even even before SAP does their check, we're not even going to let them do it. We're not going to have them waste their time and find out that they can't create a purchase order um, in you know such and such company code or such and such purchasing organization unless they actually have that auth object within SAP. Yeah, yeah. So so once that discussion's had, of course, and going through that process. Once there's that, uh, it's approved. If you like, there's there's much more an openness to adoption. Just as a as a on the back of that question, how do you handle once again with customers because of the low code no code story in market, the perception that the power platform apps that you can build are. Uh, should we use not enterprise scale? They're not something that you would put your critical business, you know, systems in play. Um, because hey, it's low code, no code. No, no, a pro developer wasn't involved. You know, how can it be, um, enterprise? How do you handle that? Well, I mean, you're going to want to test it the same way you would test any other enterprise app that you want to deploy to production. But, you know, we've already got some of the largest organizations in the world doing sales order entry and purchase order entry, which are the two (laughs) most heavily used T codes and processes within SAP um, for millions and millions of of transactions per year. So um, it definitely scales. um, But I I think... The there's a, a misperception that because something is no code or low code that you don't need to test it as much as you would need mm-hmm. to test a, a, a bespoke custom developed app. Uh, but the reality is your your business logic um, always needs to be tested thoroughly, whether it's residing in custom ABAP code or um, whether it's residing in an iPass layer. You need to do the same amount of testing. You need to look at every permutation of a business case and test it thoroughly before it gets to production. So. I would, from a testing perspective, never treat anything differently, whether it's custom dev versus uh, low-code, no-code. Yeah, good. Um, If we were to grab a crystal ball and look at the future of SAP and where their platform is moving, what what are your thoughts? And and probably the impact on customers on where SAP is is moving um, with that clean core strategy, with the migration to cloud. What are you seeing? What are you thinking about? I think there's going to be a lot. We already have a pretty tight collaboration, you know, with SAP. I know Christian meets with Satya and Scott quite a bit, um, but I think the the collaboration is just going to continue to get tighter and tighter because we see more and more customers migrating their on-premise SAP workloads over to Azure, um, and then at the same time, once it's on Azure, digitally transforming their their processes through Power Apps and integrating through Power Automate flows, um, and as that 
adoption occurs more and more and, and you know, the, the market share grows, I think you're just going to see a much tighter collaboration between SAP and Microsoft. Not to say that we already don't have a very tight collaboration, but it's just going to grow stronger over time. Yeah. AI and and the impact uh, going forward. I've seen SAP make lots of announcements around, you know, connectors with open AI and things like that. Its impact on low-code, no-code platforms, do you think we're going to be at forget low-code, but at no-code platforms within five years? In other words, AI will build all, all that app layer for us based on us making a request for a solution to be built? Yeah, so <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. We're doing a lot of work there right now. Um, and I think what, what we're generally seeing is that, um, you know, while, you know, ChatGPT and a lot of other platforms out there can generate content quickly, it still needs to have a human being sort of review it and make sure it actually makes sense. You know, it's never it's never going to be 100% perfect. So it's going to dramatically accelerate the development of a power app um, to the point where you can say, hey, I need a I need a power app that goes into SAP that um, creates a goods receipt for, uh, you know, a shipment that came in from, you know, one of our vendors, um, it can automatically generate all of the inputs that it thinks you need based on looking at your, you know, using our process mining capabilities to figure out, okay, what are the 15 attributes that they capture on a goods receipt for this organization and automatically propose um, a, a functional app, but it still is going to need to be reviewed uh, by a human being. Um, to make sure it actually makes sense. You know, you still have to go through your data governance process and all of your testing. Um, but what it is going to do is it's really going to make uh, 10x developers. So when we talk about no-code, low-code, yeah. making a, a developer 10x what they used to be, well, now this is 10xing that as well. So, um, you know, someone who used to, you know, work with, you know, creating those 15 data inputs on a Power App, suddenly they're automatically created and all this person is doing is reviewing what, what chat GPT or whatever, um, you know, whatever artificial intelligence tool is being used to generate that app. So we're going to see a 10 X impact of, of a no code, low code developer. So um, it's all good. I mean, this is, this is all great stuff. I mean, this just means that business users are going to get these things in their hands much, much faster. Totally. Last question before I let you go, uh, John, tell me about, um, what are you thinking in the next 12 months? What are, what are your thoughts? And that's not just to tell us anything that's on your, your NDA list, but what, what are you thinking about the market move, um, the impact that AI has had just on the first six months of this year? Uh, let's play that forward another 12 months. Um, what are you thinking about? Um, honestly, you know, keeping up with the change, the, the pace of change has, has so dramatically accelerated since even, you know, December of last year that, you know, we're constantly looking at new new ways to incorporate these these technologies into the power platform to just make it faster for our customers to get what they want to and to, to scale adoption. So, um, keeping up with the pace of change could be a job in and of itself. But then figuring out, okay, what 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 nuggets from you know the latest re- release of ChatGPT can we now embed into the power platform? Um, so we're just constantly looking at that and figuring out ways to improve all the different. Um, components within the power platform using generative AI and all the exciting stuff that's coming out right now. Thanks, John, for coming on the show. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, otherwise known as the NZ365 guy. If there's a guest you'd like to see on the show from Microsoft, please message me on LinkedIn. 
If you want to be a supporter of the show, please check out buymeacoffee.com forward slash nz365guide. How will you create on the Power Platform today? Ciao.